Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. News Talk 850 WFTL presents Joyce Kaufman, No Restraint. Here's Joyce Kaufman. Welcome to this latest edition of the No Restraint Podcast by me, Joyce Kaufman. I haven't talked that much about Israel and the hostage situation of late. We covered it intensively, and we think about it almost obsessively, or at least I do. But there have been so many other issues that we've been talking about that I forgot about some of the things that we've uncovered that really should make you pause and say, what are we doing and why do we keep doing the same things over and over again? And by we, I mean the civilized world, because obviously I'm an American, but the alliance that we have with Israel, our real partner in the Middle East, is profound and deep, and to ignore that is ridiculous. So I don't ignore it, but I also can give it a rest when I need to can't give it a rest any longer. So I want you to listen up. Thank you to the free press and to all the great writers who put together so much of the research that I rely on these days. Because if you're looking for the Reuters or Associated Press or the New York Times or the Washington Post to provide you with accurate information about what's going on in the rest of the world, like they can tell you what's going on in New York City and in LA and even in Washington, D.C., But they're not that interested in the fact that Taiwan just won. Well, we'll talk about that at a later time. And that there is a war raging in the Mideast. And we don't seem to have a handle on where we as America goes next. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that have been uncovered. For instance, a teacher was recently accused of holding an Israeli hostage in an attic. There is still a bunch of hostages that Hamas took on October 7th, which we presume might be still alive, down in tunnels underneath Gaza. The IDF says it found rockets near a school in Gaza. One house of the Swiss parliament votes to cut funding to Gaza, and in the United States, Republican senators say Congress really ought to do the same thing. All of these things swirl around a very controversial agency, one that I have absolutely no respect or love for. It's the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees. Let's just call it UNRWA. The agency is at the heart of the refugee crisis. Some see UNRWA as a critical provider of services to all of these beleaguered Arab populations on the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, which Israelis often refer to as Judea and Samaria. I'm not an Israeli, but that's how I refer to them. 
Others see it as an enabler of this crisis, an agency that's meant to perpetuate a so-called refugee status, which is no longer applicable to meet, or at least to most Palestinians, and doing it to obstruct any peace process indefinitely seems to be their goal. A lot of observers say maybe it's both, an essential provider of services and yet an obstacle to peace. UNRWA's defenders say it's just doing the mission that was assigned by the United Nations almost three quarters of a century ago. Opponents like me say UNRWA is way too close to Hamas, the terrorist group that controls Gaza and triggered this current war with its October 7th massacre of about 1,200 Israelis and foreign nationals. Defenders, including some Americans, mind you, defenders say Israel is an apartheid state based on immoral religious discrimination. Opponents say Palestinian Arabs displaced by Israel's 1948 war of independence should be resettled like 135 other refugee groups overseen by the United Nations High Commissioner of Refugees, that's UNHCR, the only refugee situation that UNHCR doesn't handle is Palestine. It was born in sin, it exists in sin, and it operates in sin. And that's from people who know from the inside what UNRWA really is, like somebody who might be studying national security at the Tel Aviv University. This is a political organization at the beginning, which served the interests of Arab states that didn't want to absorb Palestinian refugees into their countries. Believe me, they didn't want to rehabilitate Palestinian refugees. They kind of like keeping them in camps and perpetuating this refugee status. It is the central pillar of the Palestinian ethos. It's the excuse for their victimhood. And that's why they can get money from the international community and why they don't even have to behave responsibly. Unfortunately, the international community cooperates with Palestine and UNRWA. Now, under the circumstances of the war, it can't be dismantled. It's needed for the humanitarian aid, which all of us agree is going to be necessary. But after the war, the first thing that should be done is dismantle UNRWA and the refugee camps in the Gaza Strip. One of the Boston University School of Law professors by the name of Susan Akram, who's director of its International Human Rights Clinic, says that she doesn't think UNRWA is controversial in the least. Yeah, liberals have some strange opinions. She said, it is pretty effective for those who approach it from the perspective of international law we would not call it controversial. UNRWA was established with a very particular mandate given to it by the UN back in 1949, and it has continued to carry out that mandate. How effective is it? Well, Israelis across the political spectrum of that deeply divided country say it sponsors schools that are teaching hate to generations of Palestinian schoolchildren, making peace or even a two-state solution, virtually impossible. 
an UNRWA teacher, was accused of having held one of the Israeli hostages that was seized by Hamas on October 7th. The agency rejected the claim and said, well, uh, it's unsubstantiated. Not that they've ever had a problem with unsubstantiated rumors about Donald Trump or Bibi Netanyahu. But an Israeli TV reporter, Almag Boker, posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, that a released hostage said the teacher, who happened to be a father of 10 children, had held him in his attic for nearly 50 days, barely providing food and neglecting his medical needs. And Mr. Boker said another abductee had been held captive by a Gazan doctor, simultaneously caring for children. So a pediatrician holding hostages is kind of foreign to most of our thinking. And these are not isolated incidents. These civilians are terrorists. Present at Saturday's massacre, they're now revealed as an integral part of holding hundreds of captives, including women and children. Over 100 captives. Think about that. 100 days later. On December 1st in 2023, in a public statement, UNRWA said it hadn't been able to substantiate whether the Israeli journalist's allegations about UNRWA teachers holding an Israeli hostage were, quote, genuine or false, end quote. UNRWA reiterates that it takes all allegations of breach of UN principles extremely seriously and immediately investigates them. Does anybody believe that? Because I know I don't. Defamation attacks and the spread of misinformation about UNRWA from any side directly endanger the life-saving operations of the agency and the staff that's operating on the ground. Israel has long maintained that Hamas uses schools and health facilities, which in Gaza are operated by UNRWA, to shield its terror operations. The Israeli government on January 3rd released a video interview of a Gaza civilian who says a Hamas operative herded his group into Al-Shifa hospital when they were trying to follow IDF instructions to flee south. Terrorists were living under the hospital, but knowing Israeli soldiers were coming, they emerged and, of course, hid among the civilians. I felt that we were human shields the civilians said. The Israeli military said on that same day that it had dismantled an 800-foot tunnel underneath Al-Shifa Hospital there in Gaza City, which, of course, UNRWA operates. Israel and the United States doubled down on assertions that the hospital has shielded not only the Hamas tunnel underneath, but a command hub that it was also using to store weapons. Hamas has destroyed documents and electronics just before the IDF's November 15th seizure of the hospital, according to a U.S. National Security Council spokesperson. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. The refugee crisis began when the U.N. partitioned the land into two states, 
one for Jews and one for Arabs. In 1947, Israel took the deal. Local Arabs and the surrounding Arab states really didn't. Their armies invaded Israel on the very first day of its independence in 1948. Around 700,000 Arab residents fled. Some of them were just afraid, and others because they were encouraged to by Arab leaders who assured them that the war would be over in a few weeks. A similar number of Jews fled the Arab states in North Africa and in the Middle East, places where Jews had lived for hundreds, even thousands of years. They came to Israel. Some Arabs stayed in Israel. Today, they're citizens. They vote, and they have representatives in Israel's Knesset. Arabs who fled found themselves in Gaza, the West Bank, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. The UN agency was established in 1949, UNRWA, to administer to them. It is distinct from the UN High Commissioner for Refugees, which was created in 1950 for all the other refugee crises around the world. The Palestinians are the only refugees with their own UN agency. Are they even still refugees? Words like refugees and refugee camps can be very misleading. They don't fit the realities on the ground. Gaza communities that started 75 years ago look no different than areas around them, with permanent buildings decades old, occasionally fancy villas and a street grid, families may be into their fourth or fifth generations living there. They may be marked off with gates, setting them off from the adjoining city, but otherwise all look the same. When the general public thinks of a traditional United Nations refugee camp, we're thinking of those tent camps that are set up on the borders of Syria that handle massive refugee populations like the Syrian civil war has created. We're thinking tents. We're thinking temporary infrastructure. We're thinking something that resembles a camp. There is basically nothing that you would see while walking around these areas that it would indicate this is a refugee camp. There are even fancy neighborhoods with villas in some of these so-called camps. The senior Hamas leader, Ismail Haniyeh, the chairman of its political bureau, and from the Al-Shati refugee camp, bought a fine half-acre beachfront property in the adjoining Ramal neighborhood in 2010. He has lived in a palace in Qatar, since 2019. The Gaza house, occupied by his relatives, was destroyed by an IDF strike in November. Mr. Hanaya's net worth, largely stemming from Hamas's 20% tax on goods imported through tunnels from Egypt, has been estimated as high as $4 billion. That's one heck of a refugee. Refugees are typically stateless people, but Palestinians now hold travel documents up to and including passports. Estimates range from 2.18 million to 2.4 million Palestinian so-called refugees in Jordan who are now Jordanian citizens and hold Jordanian passports. The Palestinian Authority declared statehood 
during the failed 1990s Oslo Accords peace process. Palestine was accorded observer status by the UN General Assembly in 2012, but doesn't get to vote. Palestinian refugees and residents of the West Bank and Gaza who aren't refugees, because they always live there, are Palestinian citizens, and they have Palestinian passports. Uh, Some people say their status and their travel documentation are less secure than that, but it doesn't apply to all Palestinians who live in Jordan. The Palestinian Authority isn't a state, and Palestinians still meet the definition of stateless under international law. Palestinian documents can permit them to travel. Such papers don't have the same strength, though, as formal passports. One effect of UNRWA's unique handling of the Palestinian refugees is that 700,000 Palestinian refugees in 1949 has grown to 5.9 million today. Descendants of other refugee populations usually aren't classified as refugees. Palestinian refugee status is inherited, father to son. We're now talking about the fifth generation of Palestinian refugees. This doesn't exist with regard to any other population of refugees anywhere in the world. Those living in Gaza, the West Bank, and Jordan are no longer classified as refugees. The actual refugee population, that means the people living in marginal existences in Syria and Lebanon, shrinks to around 300,000. UNRWA has not rehabilitated or resettled a single Palestinian refugee since it was established. Instead of resettling and decreasing them, the numbers have only increased. Some other refugee groups around the world have been allowed to maintain refugee status for later generation. It includes about 90,000 Sarahi refugees from the disputed Western Sahara who are living in neighboring Algeria. So what does UNRWA do? UNRWA said on its official website that its services to Palestinians include primary and vocational education, primary health care, relief and social services, infrastructure and camp improvement, microfinance and emergency response, including in situations of armed conflict. It provides health care to 1.9 million refugees. It teaches half a million students supports almost another half a million refugees with a so-called social safety net and has provided 29,000 microfinance loans. It has aided almost half a million Palestinians who were caught up in the last decade's civil war in Syria. When questioned why UNRWA still provides services to Palestinians in, for instance, Jordan, Why doesn't Jordan provide all the services to Palestinians? They're citizens. Why does the Palestinian Authority not provide services to those people who live in the West Bank? The answers are simple. UNRWA seeks to keep Palestinians in permanent refugee status and victimhood, living in so-called camps. It doesn't make sense that Palestinians are Palestinian citizens living under the authority of their state hold a Palestinian passport, and yet have the status of refugees in their state. How is that? 
It doesn't even make sense. UNRWA provides essential humanitarian services in accordance with its charter. And while UNRWA is still often turning to UNCHR to help with work and providing durable solutions, UNRWA has no such mandate. It was there to provide food, clothing, and shelter to Palestinian refugees as long as they remained refugees. They don't have the mandate to resettle them. And that's because, in the UN's eyes, they should ultimately return to what's now Israel. Despite the UNHCR typically resettling refugees, only 1% of the global refugee population is even eligible for resettlement. The vast majority of them, under UNHCR mandate, remain in host countries without a durable solution. The Palestinian solution or situation is similar to many of the others. UNRWA plays a big role in the Palestinian economy. It employs 33,000 people in Gaza, virtually all Palestinians, which is unique among the UN's refugee efforts. And they're considered good jobs. UNRWA has come to be an agency for the perpetuation of the Israel-Palestine conflict. It's a dysfunctional entity, corrupt. In the Gaza Strip, it's fully controlled by Hamas. And if you look at the hostages' allegations that they're being held for almost two months in an UNRWA teacher's attic, you have to say UNRWA is too closely associated with Hamas. Because the vast majority of employees are Palestinians, they're seen as espousing the rhetoric of Hamas, even when the UNRWA's charter schools are in question. With so many Palestinians employed by UNRWA in an area where jobs are at a premium, there's a strong disincentive for the refugee crisis to end. UNRWA won't respond to anybody who requests comments. The agency hasn't addressed its relationship with Hamas in any recent public statements. UNRWA operates 706 schools, educating just over half a million students. And of those, 380 schools are about 340,000 students in Gaza and the West Bank. According to UNRWA's website, the schools promote the values of tolerance, cultural identity, and gender equality. UNRWA aims to ensure that Palestine and its refugee students develop their full potential and become confident, innovative, questioning, thoughtful, and open-minded to uphold human values and tolerance, proud of their Palestinian identity, and contributing positively to the development of society and the global community. Come on. A former U.S. congressman wrote that he'd investigated what Palestinian children study while he was in Congress from 2001 to 2017. I studied what goes on in Palestinian schools as well. I've looked at the textbooks, and I've talked to educators, and I've talked to diplomats. And I'll tell you what, Steve Israel, a New York Democrat who represented Long Island, said in October in the Forward, I saw firsthand that a generation of Palestinian children were being taught at a very early age to reject 
living peacefully with Israel. They read about it in their school books, and they heard about it from their teachers. They were raised on a steady curriculum of violent rejectionism. People in Congress were unable to change that reality. Now, as the world is reeling from the devastation of Hamas terrorism, understanding how Palestinian children are taught is essential to any discussion of the future in the region. The roots of this generation of Hamas terrorism resides in ideas fomented in Gaza's education system for decades. That's right, even the New York Times back in 2013 in an article on Gaza schools admitted that in Gaza, you get a military training elective and you get all kinds of teachings to infuse the next generation with a militant ideology. At the time, with almost half a million students in Gaza, UNRWA ran 250 schools, grades one to nine, and Hamas, 400 schools, serving all grades in addition to 46 private schools. In 2013, Hamas decreed gender-segregated schools from age nine and criminalized any contact between schools and Israel. These efforts at indoctrination have worked. A poll conducted by Palestine's Beerzeit University showed that 75% of all Palestinians celebrated the October 7th massacre. We're talking about a very, very sick society with a national consciousness that is something broken. 75% of the entire Palestinian population supports the massacre. This is the outcome of poisoning the hearts and the minds of these people. And guess who's been behind it all? That's right, the United Nations and UNRWA. Education was not part of UNRWA's mandate but almost 60% of the agency's $1.6 billion annual budget now goes to education. Why and what do they educate in Gaza and other schools? They indoctrinate the children of Gaza and the children of the West Bank and East Jerusalem to hate and demonize the state of Israel and to hate Jews. They educate them for resistance against Israel, for violence against Jews. They nurture the Palestinian ethos based on two major pillars, the right of the return tied to refugeehood and armed resistance against Israel. Perpetuating refugee status means teaching them that although they've lived where they've lived for several generations now, it's not their home. They're trained to regard the places of their ancestors in what is now the nation of Israel as their home. It's a perpetuation of the conflict. UNRWA, operating in Gaza, may not have much choice but to go along with the host government. Well, I don't know about that, but I think there's something wrong with teaching Palestinian children that they have a right to return to Israel because, of course, they think Israel has no right to be a Jewish state. The IDF, as of December 19th of last year, said it had found 1,500 Hamas tunnel shafts and underground passages since the start of the war. In December, it announced it had uncovered near a school and a hospital, one of the largest weapon caches ever found in Gaza. Israel's soldiers have found sandbags using sacks marked UNRWA and USAID in tunnels 
underneath the Al-Azhar University in Gaza and a hundred rockets hidden in UNRWA boxes inside a home in northern Gaza. Let me tell you something. What's going to happen when the war is over? Israel will retake the Gaza Strip, will face decisions like whether and how long to stay, who should rule it, who should provide civil administration, and what to do about UNRWA. Arab countries have traditionally blocked any revisiting of UNRWA's mission. They tend to focus on the quiet, transactional partnerships. For many Israelis, though, a reconsideration is long overdue. Thank you for listening to this No Restraint podcast. Pass it around, and of course, wait patiently for the next one. God bless you, God bless Israel, and God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.